Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, answering illegal interview questions. Part one. Here we go. This question comes up a lot on, on the forums, for example, far more often than we've seen examples of illegal interview questions being oh, yeah. asked, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, Well, look, this is a case where somebody hears a story, the story gets press. Now, how many interviews are conducted each day all over the world? A million, five million? And how many of them get reported on? None. Which ones get reported on? The dramatic ones, right? This is just like the old saying, opposites attract. Opposites don't attract. Your brain just notices things that are out of the ordinary. And with media the way it is, the media amplifies things that are out of the ordinary, the dramatic that have conflict. And, you know, some big company abusing a poor soul because they asked illegal questions designed to discriminate against them, it gets press. It gets attention. And so people... People want to talk about it. It's 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 yeah. uh, that volcano, right? It's the exciting yeah, exactly. thing to talk about, right? The the anomaly, and so we get the question a lot, but this really doesn't happen. It's often not an illegal question. Oh my gosh! Right, yeah. folks, you know, you know, ask us about an illegal question when in fact it's not illegal. Yeah, well, let's let's go further. I just want to hint at somebody. It, it hint at something here. You said actually it's not an illegal question. At the end of this cast, folks, we're going to stun you with something that is true that you don't know that will prove, in a way, the theme of this cast fundamentally false. But we're talking right now in a language that everybody can understand, and so we're going to talk about illegal interview questions. Right. But yeah, you're right. They're often not illegal, but that often is kind of funny, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, and, and often if they are, the interviewer didn't intend them to be illegal, right? They didn't have a malicious intent. They were just a right. clumsy interviewer. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and the person just didn't express themselves terribly well, or they're trained poorly or whatever, but their intent was not to discriminate. Yeah, I, I the, the one that, that stands out of my mind is the eight-month pregnant woman who clearly is pregnant as opposed to perhaps just overweight, whichever one. Whenever I mention pregnancy, it's, well, you know, you wouldn't want to say that to someone who's overweight. Well, okay. Yeah, and there are exceptions, and, and you can tell sometimes that women are just pregnant. And you, you say, congratulations. I, I see that you're due. Congratulations. That's a human, normal, totally respectable thing to do. And people are like, no, you can't do that in an interview. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, actually, you can, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Let's change focus a little bit, and let's let's talk from the perspective. And the individual, one of our listeners, yeah. is in an interview, and they get asked a question that they think is illegal. What right. do they do? Right? It happens. You mean this you is do? career tools? This is career tools, and we're supposed to talk about what to do, right? Rather than discussing the theory of interviewing. Is that what you're saying? There you go. Yep. That's where I'm. That's that's where I'm trying to go. Here. Oh yeah. darn! We have to be actionable Work again for the, billion, for the billionth time. Yeah. Seven. We're going to go through seven points here, folks, and um, I promise you they're all worth it. The first one is be careful because you may not be right about what's legal and illegal. Okay. Most people are are intolerably wrong about this. Number two, Mike's already alluded to it. Don't assume ill intent. At, at least at first. If you get a question that you believe is illegal, don't assume the intent is about discrimination. Number three, and here's the crux of the matter, you must answer the question. You must. Because if you're possibly wrong about it, illegal or not, if you're malinformed 
and you don't answer the question or you pause too long or whatever, that's going to be used against you when, in fact, the recruiter knows this is a legal question. It's totally reasonable. It's totally fair. But now you have created an additional entity, an additional problem in the interview. So you've got to answer the question. And 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 then everybody always says, when I give the guidance of, you, look, dude, you've got to answer the question. They say, oh, I know. I'll answer the question. And then I'll point afterwards, look, that was a question. Let's stay out of that area. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> you don't do that. Number, number four, folks, is you're not this smart and they're not that dumb. Do not call them on their air. Again, that would introduce another uh, – a problem, a, a lack of connection with the recruiter. Okay. Number five, you've got to interview. Number six, you've got to close. Okay. And part of that has to do with even if you decide you don't want an offer from this company, or even if you decide you don't want to go to this company, an offer could be a value to you. You're at the point in interviewing of getting offers, not of taking offers. You can't take an offer you can't get. You don't get. So you go get the offer in this phase. And then if you decide you don't want to work there, you just say no. And that's a completely normal way of interviewing. And then number seven, we have some very interesting guidance on what's illegal and what's not illegal as far as questions. Good. Okay. So unless you're a lawyer or an HR expert, it's very possible that what you think is illegal is not. So, you know, our, yeah. our point here is be careful. You may not be right about what's illegal. And if you're wrong, the consequences of being wrong in your thought and acting upon your thoughts are big. If you're interested, of course, of getting the job, right? Yeah. This is, you know, we, we, I've been talking about this with you recently and I had a great discussion recently with, with, um, with, uh, Mike Elgin, uh, at Russell Investments about, about, the intent of feedback about there is no why in feedback and how important it is to separate behavior from intent. And I, I said it to many, many conference groups that you, that we judge ourselves on our intent and our intent is always good. Okay. We judge others on their behaviors because folks, you don't want to guess at people's intent. You don't want to guess. You'll be wrong 50 to 75% of the time. Okay. What you'll do when you guess somebody else's intent, you will see their behavior and you will assume that the only way they would act that way is if they had the same set of intents that you would have had in order to behave that way. But people do have the same behaviors for different intents, depending upon their natural tendencies, their behavioral preferences. So when you're guessing at the legality of a question and, and now you're adding to it intent, he's, she's trying to discriminate against me, you're probably going to be wrong and you're going to mess up the chance for an interview. You're going to mess up the your chance. You're going to mess up your chance of success in the interview. And look, we don't want to get too down in the weeds here, but HR law, human resources law, is just incredibly complex and very fast evolving. In the first half of 2011, this year, there were 17 updates in the United Kingdom to the laws which HR departments must take account of, according to Wendy. Right? It's more than two a month. Then, for those of you who don't know anything about law and, and, and corporations and organizations and people and personhood and rights and so on. There's case law from legal cases and from tribunals and from, from court cases and so on. In the U.S., right here in the U.S., each of the United States, each of the 50 states have their own laws and then there are federal laws and then there's case law at the state level and at the national level, on the federal level. And the cases around hiring have gone up, particularly during recessions. People feel aggrieved and they're in pain because they're not getting a job and so they sue. And so there's a lot of additional case law. And sometimes companies have to make a decision about, we believe that case law will become codified. And so therefore, we're going to have to address it, even though most people don't know about it. And that causes them to have to change their interviewing behavior. 
look, it's rare for a lawyer. If you try to talk to a, to a discrimination lawyer, an employment lawyer about a particular situation, they're rarely going to give you a straightforward answer to a pretty straightforward question like, is this legal or not? Which again, by the way, we're going to stun you at the end of this cast. If the lawyers can't say, the answer without knowing all the circumstances. I mean, literally, they want a videotape or an audio tape. It's unlikely you can say truthfully whether or not what just happened is illegal or inappropriate or not. Now, look, we don't, we don't mean to tell you this, that we know better than you, and you're probably wrong. We would feel the same way. Mike and I and Wendy and Maggie would all feel the same way if we were interviewing. We're not, we're not point, shaking our finger at you at all about what you don't know. We don't know it either. Now, we're pretty smart about this stuff. Wendy and I have recruited for years, but you can't know. It is it is essentially unknowable. It, what worries us here is not whether you think a question is illegal or not. It's what happens next when you're expending clock cycles in your brain, CPU power in your brain, thinking about legality, which is completely devoid of any connection to interviewing success, which is about you convincing them that you're the best person for the job. What we see in interviews is candidates, they hear a question, they're not sure about it. Um, and, and look, in an interview, it, it's inherently confrontational. That, that sounds terrible, but, but there's inherent conflict in an interview, right? right? You, you know that they have something you want, but they're not simply going to give it to you. It's not like you're waiting for change and you know it's yours and the person who's going to give you your change knows they're going to give you the change too. An interview, there is an inherent conflict and tension there, which is good. Uh, in, all, in all decisions, there's inherent conflict and tension, and therefore, of course, drama. What happens is if you're not sure about it and your natural conflict meter, your conflict sensors are elevated, you're going to see things that aren't a problem as potentially a problem. And here's where it goes wrong for so many people. And we respect it. We understand why people are feeling this way. It's just a behavior you need to get past. And that's what this cast is about. What ends up happening is somebody spends 30 seconds, which by the way, and and frankly, it probably feels like 30 seconds to the candidate, but it's probably only 15 or 10 seconds, but 10 or 15 and surely 30 seconds is a long time in an interview when you're waiting for somebody to speak. And you're thinking, should I answer? Should I not answer? Should I say that I think this question is legal? And and I actually had a person once say, Mark, if they ask me what I know to be a legal question, is it to see whether or not I know in order, are they testing me? It was one of those moments where I probably was tired. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? What? (laughs) I can imagine. What? Now, look, if they're interviewing you to be an HR lawyer, okay, maybe, maybe. But then they think, okay, if I answer the question and they and I both know it's illegal, does the fact that I answer harm my interview? Okay. Or or then if I don't answer, will that harm my interview? All this stuff in your head as opposed to can I move forward in my interview? Right. I, I imagine it's happened. There's one wacky interviewer out there somewhere in the world who has done that. But yeah, uh, look, eventually the candidate works out what they're going to do and they say something. But for the rest of the interview, that's hanging over their head. There's a second track in their head, which is constantly saying, I can't believe he asked that question. Should he have? Should I have answered? Did I do the right thing? Uh, what's, when's the next one coming? What's, you know, maybe there's a hidden veil or maybe there's a hidden meaning to this next question. And the problem with this goes back to something we talked about in the interview series, which 
you know, we never intended to, to put out there. And it's, we sell a lot of it because people feel like I don't know how to interview, which, by the way, folks, we don't. People just don't know how to interview very well. But it's the issue of it's totally okay to make a mistake in an interview, folks. It really is. Uh, Wendy and I have interviewed thousands. Mike and Maggie have interviewed thousands as well. And it's totally okay. We don't mind mistakes. In fact, most of us, if you learn how to interview in a tough way, while being kind, but but a, a challenging interview, and I don't mean challenging aggressive, but I mean complex and, and, and difficult questions that cause the, the candidate to really stretch and grow. If you're interviewing in a tough way and somebody blows an answer, they forget part three or they get their answer messed up, um, they stumble over the words, nobody minds. In fact, people are like, eh, it kind of breaks the ice. It relies. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, let me do that again. I didn't do that right. And you do it again and it's no problem. It would be like, Paul, our sound editing guy, when Mike or I say, hey, Paul, let us do that again. And you could do that in an interview. The problem is, the problem in interviewing is not the first mistake. Just like this situation here when somebody asks what you think is an illegal question. It's not the first mistake. It's the thought in your head, oh, my gosh, I made a mistake. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I wonder how much. Is, does that give me a 95 on the interview? Is 95 as opposed to 100 good enough to get an offer here? I don't know. I'm worried. And during the time that that voice is whispering or depending upon your profile, yelling in your head, the recruiter's asking another question, which you don't hear. And then therefore you don't answer very well. And, and it's a downward spiral. You feel, you make a mistake, you feel bad, you're off your game, you're not listening, you make another mistake and another mistake, and another mistake, and now you're done. Now you're toast. The first one though, we'll let it go, which is part of the reason why optimistic people tend to do better in interviews because they know, well, okay, I made a mistake, but I have another chance and there's nothing I can do about it. Optimists tend to think, okay, I made a mistake and now I have a chance to, to make it right and I'll try to make it right. Pessimists say, oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to make another one. Nothing's cast about optimism and pessimism. And so if you get what you think is an illegal question and then you set up that vicious little cycle in your head, if you've got 10, 15, 20, 30, 50% of your brain thinking, ooh, this is bad. What kind of company is this? Is there going to be another one? You can't be good. And the kind of interviews that more and more companies are doing, which are tougher and tougher and tougher, they're setting the bars higher and higher and higher because they're figuring out how to get enough productivity out of less and less people. You're not going to be successful. You'd have to be so good that you'd be good enough that they wouldn't need to interview you. It's just not going to happen. The second track prevents people from thinking clearly and you perform badly in the rest of the interview. And then they say no. And here's, here's a really vicious little part of this. People assume they're told no because of that first question, that illegal question. And the answer is, you're right. But it's not because the question was illegal and you answered it wrong. It's because you had a poor interview. When a candidate believes they've gotten an illegal question, the chances of them not doing well greatly increases, which increases the chances they believe it was an illegal inter interview question, which increases the chances that they're going to blame the company, yeah, exactly. which is not good. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a good reminder. Hey, folks, if you're, if you're a manager and you're interviewing, you ought to know what's legal and illegal and, and be cautious about that. And there are ways to be cautious and still tread on delicate ground, but you ought to know because this will happen to people right in front of you and you'll wonder why that candidate did so good until this one part and then everything fell apart and gee, I'd love to hire him, but didn't go well. Yeah. If you believe the question is illegal and then you ascribe some kind of ominous intent to the interviewer, you're putting up a barrier between you yeah. and the interviewer. And, right. look, yeah. and that barrier, that, that th thought in your head, that creates a barrier and that kills 
at least puts a real damper on the idea of building a relationship with the interviewer. And that's one of the things you're trying to do during the interview. You worked all this time to figure out what your questions are, to, to think about what, what the interviewer is going to ask you. You're, thought, you're thinking about what the needs of the interviewer are so you can present yourself to the interviewer as an answer to the, their needs. And then you put up this barrier between you and her. That's not a good Not thing. good. Look, look, let's face it. You may also, right, right. You, you, you're essentially addressing the whole issue of intent, right? I mean, you, you, if you do that, you're going to kill it. If you assume ill intent, it's going to break down the interview. But look, you may be talking to a clumsy, poorly trained, well-meaning, and totally ethical manager. Most managers are egregiously poorly trained as interviewers. That's part of why HR does interviews, to protect managers, because training managers is so hard. Now, look, we're not saying, we're not trying to excuse the bad question, okay? Because there are those. They're rare, but they are they do happen, and we ought to know about those. But a little grace when you want the offer from a company ought to be in order. And here's something interesting. People tell me, well, I don't want to offer them grace if they're a discriminator. Well, that's the whole point. Maybe they're not a discriminator and the grace allows you to believe that they are not discriminating against you. And maybe you'll find out more data to suggest that they're not as opposed to drawing to a conclusion. But here's the funny thing. The candidate says, I don't want to give them any grace. Boy, that would be really bad if this person's discriminating against me. And so expect the manager quid pro quo to say, well, I'm not going to give them any grace if they make a mistake on any question, whether it's discriminatory or not. If they blow one of my questions, we're done. And the candidate goes, no, wait, interviews are hard, man. I, I you know, give me a little bit of slack, right? I, I want to make a mistake. I'm stressed out. I'm like, okay, where's the double standard there, right? Everybody wants grace when they're the interviewee, but the interviewee never seems to want to give grace to the interviewer. And the fact is, look, we're not, we're not apologizing for managers. Managers stink at interviewing. And what do we say at manager tools over and over and over again? The single most important thing managers do is hiring. If you hire well, folks, everything else gets easier. And that's why we talk about raising the bar high. Uh, and that's why we're creating the interview creation tool. Grace is a really, really good thing. Look, look, when we've discussed with managers why they want to ask a question that might fall into a gray area, it's, it's not because they have some hatred or disagreement or they have a bias or they're overly opinionated. Usually, far more often, an employee in their past, somebody who worked for them, caused them problems in a certain area and they don't know a better way to get the information they need. Okay? And they're clumsy and, and maybe, in fact, in, in beyond gray into a black area, but they literally shoot themselves in the foot. Now, I have to tell you, I don't think that's a bad person. I think that's a person who may be misinformed. It may be a person who's doing something that's not effective, but I don't think that person intends necessarily to discriminate. A manager Wendy worked with was adamant that he should be able to ask women about childcare arrangements. When she told him, hey, the, there are legal implications there, not just for the company, but for him personally, he decided that perhaps he didn't want to ask the question. Then he said, you know, kind of plaintively, he says, it's just I had this woman work for me and she was forever leaving work early to pick up the kids. She'd leave work undone. She'd leave customers hanging. She'd not tell me she'd left so I couldn't pick it up. Yeah. So, OK, so he's just clumsy and in, in, in his thinking. What he's really concerned about was the candidate's rigor in informing her manager on her whereabouts, right? Her conscientiousness and her dedication to serving customers, all those things. And I'm, I'm sure when he could come up with the question that would address those directly versus this idea of 
having kids, right? Yeah, look, you can look, that's easy. When have you had the chance? When have you had to leave the office unexpectedly? And what steps do you didn't what steps did you take in the past to mitigate the effect uh, on your team and your customers, right? And the, the candidate answered the question pretty well and the, got the job, right? It's not about childcare, it's about professional accomplishment of one's work. Right. We're not discriminating against people with childcare. Look, it would be the same thing. I would tell that manager, it'd be the same thing if you had a guy who really liked to go skating and, and, uh, or surfing and the light was best at the end of the day and he wanted to leave at 3.30 every day. It's not a childcare issue. It's a getting the work done issue. Now, to be honest, your interviewer folks, the person who's interviewing you may not have someone to help her work through from a legal area to a legal one, right? To get out of that gray area or get out of that black area and to ask a question that's white, that's clear, that's pure. Think about what's being asked and what the manager's real concern could be and then answer the question. And in fact, for many of you, I wouldn't even think about what the concern could be or, or wouldn't. I, I, I mean, I actually say, don't put a filter in there. Just say, answer the question. Now, look, there's another reason why the interviewer might ask a stupid question. He just might or she just might be making small talk. Have you got a family is not necessarily a veiled comment about your commitment to work or what kind of problem your rugrats are going to cause for the company and this particular manager. Right. If you were at a, if you were at a cocktail party and somebody asked you, hey, you, do you have a family? You would right. immediately think the person was getting into your commitment to work. It might have been a work party, right? But right. you wouldn't think they were doing that. And at the beginning of an interview, often to put you at ease, they're going to get yeah. in some small talk. And these are the kind of questions people ask when they have small talk. Yeah, I remember being at a, at a party um, in Chicago a number of years ago. Uh, it was a client-sponsored party that the client, a lot of the clients had essentially left, but there was a pretty good crowd at this public uh, uh, this place, and we were at the Capitol Grill. And uh, I ended up standing next to somebody who was in another division of the company uh, that um, I had been working with, and um, we were waiting for someone to come back to have a discussion about this new venture. And I said, um, you don't work here in Chicago? He says, no, nope, no, nope, I'm in the Des Moines office. Says, oh, great. Um, do you like Des Moines? I said, I actually like Des Moines, big baseball town, good people. And he said, yeah, great place to raise kids. And I said, well, tell me about your kids. And there was a pause. And he said, well, I have them. And I thought, wow, he brought it up. I did what is normal. And he said something that clearly could do nothing but put a, a an immediate damper on a conversation like, I don't want to talk about my kids. Now, I chalked it up to him being clumsy. But I have to say, even chalking it up to clumsy, there was no question he was saying, I'm not going to talk about my kids. Now, you have to respect that. But Wow. The person who was standing there with us was like, wow, that guy just snubbed you. And it's really hard not to feel snubbed. And, and you try to make small talk to lighten things up. And whew, man, that, that, that's hard. So, so look, where are you from is not a question about your ethnic origin, but attempt to find something to talk about. You know, do I need to make any special arrangements for you is probably not a comment about your disability, which may be visible but a concern based on Navitae about making you comfortable, okay? So, so if you jump to a conclusion about a question, you're going to have that thought in your head. That may cause you to misstep, and we want you to be successful in the interview. Remember, you can still say no. If you really truly believe that someone is engaged in something that you find unethical or borderline ethical and you've got a number of options, okay, fine. 
walk away. Assume positive intent, folks, because most of the time, most of us don't do things on purpose to hurt other people. We just don't. Yeah, we just do it by accident. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. High Gs do it more than others. There you go. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.